God, it's awesome to be able to have joy and laugh and rejoice about what you're doing both here in St. John's County and around the world. Lord, we think about all those church planters and all those new works and all the people that are going to hear the gospel and all the people that are going to be transformed by that same gospel. Lord, I pray you have your hand over each and every one of those couples that are planting churches, the families that are the startups uh, for the church. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. Lord, I think about all the local churches uh, here in St. John's County that we uh, partner with, that uh, we're laboring with. Lord, I pray you have your hand over them as we long to see more and more people be connected to you. Lord, I thank you so much that we have your very word, that we can open it this morning. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. It is the second Sunday of Advent. It's a time for us to prepare our hearts and be ready uh, to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And, and um, Charles Wesley, who wrote uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, along with thousands of other hymns, he wrote this poem. It's come long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release, we find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By time owns uh, eternal spirit, rule in our hearts alone. By, by thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. This is the season where we're really looking forward uh, for Jesus' coming and his birth and all of that means. And I'm so thankful for Pastor David Swicegood last week pointing us to Jesus. Thank you for your word, uh, Pastor David. I really appreciate uh, you being up here and preaching God's word. And we get to continue on looking at God's word this morning as we go through our fishing trip series. And we've been defining what a disciple is because we want people to be disciples, followers of Jesus. And as we think about uh, Jesus coming, Jesus being born uh, we think about what it means to be a disciple. And disciple means someone that loves Jesus, who loves one another and loves the lost. Now, can you love Jesus on your own? Can you? Can you? Okay. Yes, you can love Jesus on your own. But it's a lot more fun to love Jesus with other people, right? And that's why we gather together. That's why we uh, come together in a church service, in small groups, so that we can encourage one another to love uh, to love Jesus. And I want you to look around right now. Look around. Look around at the people next to you. All right. Some are better looking than others. But those are your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Those are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're in this battle together. We're warriors and warrior princesses for the sake of the kingdom. And we need each other. And so we want to love one another. And then we also want to love the lost. Uh, would you raise your hand if you know someone in your family, in your neighborhood that you work with that does not know Jesus? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. Every single one of us, right? And if we know what it means to love Jesus, if we know what it means to worship Jesus, if we know the hope that we have, we know the joy that we have, our hearts should be broken for those people that we raised our hands for. And we should long to pray and do everything we can to see those people come to faith in Christ. And so that's why we gather to encourage one another to do that. God has entrusted us his gospel to be able to go out with the hope and the joy of the season, the hope and joy of his kingdom, to be able to share that with others that, that don't know him. 
And so the goals of this fishing trip, fishing trip series that we've been going through and what we'll go through up till Christmas Eve is to let Jesus equip us to fish for men. As we're trying to serve others, as we're trying to reach out to others, we have to be empowered by Jesus to do that. And then to learn a simple gospel outline, 90% of believers never share their faith. So we want you to be able to share your faith and know a simple gospel outline. So when I share the gospel from stage, you're able to use that and share that uh, with others. And then team up with others to go, to go fishing that you hopefully have been talking in your small group. Or if you're not in the small group, you've been thinking about ideas to be able to, to help others uh, come to know uh, Jesus. And so uh, we're really excited to be able to do that and to be able to equip you. And today we're talking about stopping and going. So I have my friends here from the fourth and fifth grade class. You guys give it up for them. All right. You guys, you guys can back up down there. Go ahead. Back up down there. You're going to race to this line. Y'all back up down there. Try to not to knock each other out. Okay. You can stop right there. You can stop right there. You can stop right there. Everyone line up right there. You guys got enough room. All right. We're going to play red light, green light. Okay. You guys ready for this? You guys know the rules? No cheating, okay? You ready? Red light. Oh, see, I got you. I got you. Green light. Red light. Green light. <laughs> Good job. He won. You guys were expecting for me to trick you. So y'all give it up for the fourth and fifth graders. You guys are good. Thank you guys very much. Now, to win red light, green light, I love how they all just stopped anticipating me to say a red light. To win red light, green light, what do you have to do? You have to stop and go, right? You can't just win by stopping, as you saw right there, as they all stopped. And you can't just win by going, because then you'll ignore stopping. And so today, we're looking at how disciples stop and go. And if we're going to be effective disciples... If we're going to be effective disciples that make disciples, we have to do both. We have to stop and we have to go. And as Americans, uh, we're good at going, right? Not so great at stopping. And so today we're going to look at what that means and how Jesus modeled that for us as he goes on these fishing trips with the disciples. And so we're looking from the Gospel of Mark, uh, starting in verse 35. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, you can look up on the screen. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else, to nearby villages, so I could preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came. And begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, leprosy left him, and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See to it that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a, test as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So Jesus didn't write a, a journal, at least in, a, in his own hand, but he had people working through the power of the Holy Spirit, writing events about his life and, and what he did do and what he didn't do. And 
Jesus' life, as you look through the Gospels, his life was never dull. Uh, to the contrary, it was, there was a lot of things that he did in ministry, a lot of demands uh, on his life, lots of things that he was doing from, from healings to, to preaching to doing miracles. There was all kinds of different things uh, that he did. And if you look uh, through Mark's description of what Jesus did here in this passage, and you take the, 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 a few verses before that, you'll see the, the word and in the Greek, the word K in the Greek, over 22 times, over and over and over. It's like uh, if you have a, a child trying to describe to you what it's like to go to an amusement park or something exciting to happen in their life, what do they do? And this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. And you won't believe this, and you won't believe this, and you won't believe this. This is what Mark does here. He does this over and over, and immediately after, and immediately after they spoke to Jesus, and he came to her, and the whole city had gathered, and many had healed, and in the early morning, and they found him, and they said to him, and he went to the synagogues, and this is a really timely message for us, isn't it? Because doesn't life feel like that right now? And I went to work, and I picked up the kids, and we went to gymnastics, and we went to the baseball game, and then we came home, and we tried to eat dinner, and we tried to get people together, and we had to get gifts, and have a Christmas party, and have this Christmas party, and I got to get more gifts, and blah, 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 right? That's what our lives can feel like. Lots of different things that we have to go to, lots of different obligations, lots of different things that God uh, is putting in our lives. And it can be exhausting, right? And that's why disciples stop and go. We, we want to know what the gospel is. We want to be able to share the gospel to people, but we also need to rest. And, and Jesus did that in the midst of all the craziness, in the midst of all the things that were pulling on him. This is what it says. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place to pray. Scholars believe it was sometime between 4 and 6 in the morning. Jesus knew that with all the things that were going on in his ministry, yes, he was fully God. And deities don't get tired. But he was fully man also. And men get tired. Don't we? We get tired. And so he knew that he needed to rest. He, he got up. He got some amount of sleep. He was sleeping. It's not sinful to sleep. It's not sinful to rest. He's resting. He's resting. He's recharging. But he knows that he needs to spend time with his father. And so he gets up early. And what a great model for us. Now, some of you, any of you here are not morning person, no morning people? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. So the idea of like getting up at four in the morning, you're thinking, yeah. I'm liking Jesus a little less right now. See, it's not, it's not the point of, of getting up early. It's the point of spending time with Jesus to be refreshed, spending time with the Father to be refreshed, spending time with the Holy Spirit to be refreshed. And for some of us, the only way that's going to happen is by waking up at four in the morning or staying up late. That's the only way that that's going to happen. But Jesus modeled that for us. He modeled rest for us. He got up to spend time with his heavenly father because he knew what was coming. There was lots of ministry opportunities, lots of things to, to go and do, lots of demands. And as you look at your calendar for December, I'm sure there's not very many of you that are thinking, wow, there's so much free time, right? There's lots of things that are going on. And now it's even more vital for us to stop, even more vital for us to rest. I had some time yesterday just resting, and you know what? I gotta be real with you, I felt guilty about it. I felt guilty. Where, where is that coming from? I mean, it's certainly not coming from God, is it? 
It's the evil one tricking us that in order for us to be real productive, we have to be busy all the time. We have to go, we have to go, we have to add more ands, we have to add more ands. But Jesus knew, Jesus knew that he needed to be filled back up so he could minister out of the overflow, so he could be filled back up with the Father so then he could minister to others. And it's really interesting. I mean, he had pressure here, didn't he? I mean, he went off to pray, and Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, we're so glad that you're praying. No, they didn't say that, did they? Everyone is looking for you. That's what they exclaimed. Everyone is looking for you. They were even putting pressure on him. Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel like the demands of life are, are pushing at you. And people are saying, everyone needs you. Everyone, everyone is, is calling for your attention, and you feel that way. And, and Jesus knew that there were people that, that needed him. But his reply is really interesting. He said, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. We're talking about a healing here, and we've talked about many different healings and, and miracles through Jesus' life. But his primary thing that he came for was to preach the good news, to preach that he is the Savior, to preach of his kingdom and righteousness. And so he was very, very focused on that. And so he says that we're going to go to these places that the Spirit is going to lead us to. And so he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And so as he's going, as he's being focused on preaching the message, as he's going for what he's called to do, here comes someone that, what Scripture says, has leprosy. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, you have to understand how bad this was. This person that had leprosy, it was horrible. He would have never been touched by anyone. He would have been, any place he went, the crowd would have spread out. And he was, he was mandated by law to call out unclean as he approached people. And so can you imagine the isolation, isolation that this person felt? Feeling like there's nobody that loves them, no one that cares for them. And this disease would have been unbelievably painful. It would have been awful. It would have been horrible to deal with. And plus all of that, no one wants to be around him. He has no relationships with anyone. It would have been awful. A few years ago, uh, we had this uh, bus that we would drive. We called it the drunk bus. And we'd go out to the beach to Panama Hattie, which was a real popular bar at the time for Flagler College students. And we'd pick up all the students that were drunk and drive them home. And then we'd put a sticker on them that said, I was brought home by Good News Church. And when they woke up, they're like, oh, I'm glad, uh, <laughs> glad I got brought home by a church. And there was awesome ministry opportunities that happened from that because people would call, up, call us up afterward and want, you know, to say thank you or to get counseling. And it was great. But almost every time that we did it, uh, there would be someone in the van that would get sick. So if anyone ever asks you to ride in the church van, say no, okay? <laughs> know what's happening there. But when that person would get sick, it didn't matter how drunk all the other people were. Do you know what happened when that person got sick? Everyone else in the van ran to the corners away, right? They left this circle around them, and it's a picture of what this person was like with leprosy, except that for their entire life, for their entire life, 
That's what it would have been like. And so here is this person as Jesus is proclaiming the good news, as Jesus is the per- he's focused on what he has to do. Here comes this person with leprosy. He says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. It's interesting here. He doesn't say unclean, unclean, but he recognizes that he is unclean. And he also recognizes that, that he is the deity, that Jesus can do it. He doesn't say if you're able. He says if you're willing. See, Jesus can work in our lives in amazing ways, even when we're far away from him, even when we have uh, sin in our life that affects us deeply. Jesus says this. It says this, fill with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. That word for compassion is the word splanchosamei. Splanchosame in the Greek, and it's like this deep inner feeling of, of empathy and, and compassion deep down in the soul. Have you ever felt that before? Have you ever seen someone that was in a bad uh, spot and, and maybe you just felt this feeling that's the feeling deep down in your gut? And that's what Jesus felt for this man. If this was the only story that you had to hear about Jesus, what conclusion would you make about Jesus? That he's loving or unloving. That, that, he's, that he's full of hope or he's hopeless. That he's full of compassion or he's mean. I mean, Jesus is an amazing model for us, but he's God on earth, and through him we see the character of God. That God isn't out there with lightning bolts trying to strike us down, ready for us to mess up, and when we mess up, he's going to make our life miserable. No, he's a God of compassion. Yes, he is just, and yes, he wants us to follow him. And yes, there are consequences for sin. But he's a God of compassion, deep compassion, down in his soul, down in his gut, compassionate for this man. He has that same compassion for us. And so maybe you're, you're struggling with something. Maybe it's not leprosy, but maybe you're struggling with something and maybe you feel like God is far away. Maybe you're struggling with something and you, you don't know exactly what to do. I want you to know that Jesus has deep compassion for you. He cares for you deeply, and he cared for this man deeply. He wanted him to experience the joy of of him. He wanted him to experience the joy of, of relationships, and so he reaches out his hand and touched the man. Do you realize how powerful that was? This man had never been touched. Every person ran from him. He never experienced physical human touch from anyone. And here's Jesus touching him. And you can just imagine the whole crowd. And what an example of, of stopping and going. Jesus had lots of different ministry things to do, but he cared about this one individual. He cared about his life, and he stopped. And he touches the man, and he heals the man. He says, I am willing. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cured. Can you imagine what this would have been like for the guy? I mean, imagine suffering for something through your whole life. Physical suffering, emotional suffering, relationship suffering, and here he is cured. And it's really interesting what Jesus says to him afterward. Jesus sent him away with a strong warning. See to it that you don't tell this to anyone. You're right, right? I mean, what an interesting thing for Jesus to say. He's just been cured of everything. Imagine that being you. It would be really hard to keep that to yourself, but go and show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices 
that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony uh, to them. Verse 45, instead he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. Now, we could get on this guy about being disobedient, was he? Was he? He was. He was. He was disobedient. But have you ever seen someone so excited, maybe it's your child, or maybe someone hears great news, and they're just so excited that you could tell them anything, and they're not going to listen, right? They're just, so you can picture the scene. He's healed, and he's so excited about being healed, and Jesus is telling him not to do this, and he's probably not listening at all to anything Jesus was saying. So he was disobedient, but I don't think it was a purposeful disobedience. I think it was out of excitement. And so he went out spreading the news. But there was a consequence of his disobedience because as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Now, Jesus came to preach the good news about him, to preach the good news about the kingdom of God. And Jesus knew that if this guy went and told everyone, everyone's going to be coming for healings. And, and he was willing to do those healings, but primarily he was there to preach the word of God. And he models that for us. He was primarily there to share the good news. He was primarily there as a seeking and saving Savior. And so that's why he didn't want him to share, but he did. And so he went out with lonely places, yet people still came to him from everywhere. Now, isn't this an interesting scene for all of us to consider? In the beginning of the story, Jesus is on the inside, right? And the man with leprosy is way on the outside. That he has no relationships with anyone. At the end of the story, the leper is healed. He's on the inside. He's now with people, and Jesus is out with lonely places. What an interesting picture of the gospel. What an interesting picture of substitutionary atonement. That Jesus is the one that came and took our sin. We're the ones that should be on the outside, but Jesus took our sin and gave us his righteousness. You realize that all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, we see that we are sinners. That we do things against God. That we're far away from God. And all you have to do is evaluate your life for any amount of time and you'll realize that we, we're constantly doing things away from God. And there's none of us that is so gifted that we're able to atone for our own sins. There's none of us that are able to do acts on our own to atone for our sin. That's why Jesus had to come as a seeking and saving Savior. He saw us with spiritual leprosy. He saw us in our sin. And because he cared for us with that deep compassion. He came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose from the dead victorious so that we could have eternal life. And not only that, we're given, given his righteousness so when the Heavenly Father sees us, he sees Jesus. And all that sin, all that junk, all that mess was put on Jesus. I mean, it's pretty amazing when you think about it. It's pretty amazing what Jesus did for us. If there's anyone in here this morning that needs to accept Jesus, I want to tell you that's the most important thing that you can do. I know all of the things that are going on with Christmas, all the stuff that's going on, all the different events, all December is so crazy. Let me tell you this. There's nothing that you can do that would even come close to experiencing the joy and the peace that comes with accepting Christ to experience the eternal life that comes with accepting Christ, to experience the righteousness that he gives us, to experience the freedom from sin. doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect. 
but does mean that you'll be able to experience what it's like to be in him. And so admit that you're a sinner. Believe in him. Commit your life to Christ. If you've never done that before, you can do that right in your seat. You can come and talk to one of the elders after the service. We'd love to help you know Jesus. Know what it means to have your sins be taken from you and be given righteousness. Know what it means to be a spiritual leper, be far away from God, to be outside. Then Jesus, come and take your place and allow you to be included in to the family of God. And if you have done that, the action for this week is to stop and go. You look just through this passage, there's several examples of stopping and going, right? Go, Jesus, ministry life. It was very hectic. Stop, he went off to a solitary place to pray, with, to, pray to, his, to his father. Go, everyone's looking for you. Disciples come, everyone's looking for you. Go, let's go somewhere else. Stop, we're going to stop and cleanse this man with leprosy because we deeply care about individuals. Go, he sent them away to be the priest. Stop, don't tell anyone. Go, he does tell people. Go, people came to Jesus. Stopping and going are absolutely vital to being a disciple of Jesus. But the one that Americans struggle with the most is the stopping part, isn't it? There's an interesting study that I found this week from the University of Lancaster that said that we're now spending five hours a day on our phones, that we look at our phone on average 80 times a day. 80 times a day we're glancing at our phone or on our phone and... 60% of people in the workforce say that they're overstressed. We have all this input coming in, all these things going, lots and lots of noise in our lives, and we have a hard time discerning the Word of God. We have a hard time discerning what Jesus wants for our life. We have a hard time following after Him with all that noise, right? You see in the story with, with Elijah about how God was speaking to, to him. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. So the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after that fire came a gentle whisper. It's really difficult to hear the gentle whisper. It's really difficult to hear from God when we have all that noise, right? And that's why it's so important that we stop. That's so important why we rest. And I want to give you permission in the month of December to stop and just rest. That there are times this, this month that I want you to schedule it in your calendar. How many of you keep a calendar? How many of you keep a calendar? Okay, almost all of you keep a calendar. The appointments and the things that are in your calendar, especially if they're work-related or school-related, do you keep those appointments? Yes or no? Do you? Do you? Okay, yes. You're, you're good workers. You, you keep your appointments. You keep your word. That's why I want you to schedule it. I want you to put in your calendar time with Jesus, and I want you to actually do it. Just like it would be an appointment with anybody else, you wouldn't miss a lunch appointment, you wouldn't miss appointments with, with, with somebody else in, in, in your uh, workplace. So I want you to keep that and spend time with them. It's the most valuable time that you can have. 
Because all these other voices are coming. All this other noise is coming at you. And when that noise uh, comes at you, it's really difficult to discern what God wants for your life. In Psalm 139, King David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. We know that God is all-loving. We know that God is all-powerful. We see in this example with the leper that he has deep compassion for us. We know that he's created us. We know that he loves us and he cares for us. But we don't want to stop long enough for have, to have him search us and to know our thoughts and to know what causes us anxiety, what causes us fear, what causes us worry. We don't want to stop long enough to do that, do we? Allow him to, to search you. I love Alan uh, Fadling, the author of The Unhurried Leader, says, Unholy hurry may make us look busy, but too often it keeps me from actually being fruitful in the ways Jesus wants me to be. Jesus modeled grace-based leadership. I mean, imagine we allow Jesus to set the pace for our lives. I mean, that's kind of a crazy thought, right? The king of all th- kings, the Lord of all lords, setting the pace for us and he models this yes he did go yes he did things yes he ministered yes he was he was involved in lots of different ministries but he also stopped he also rest i find when i don't let jesus set the pace for me what ends up happening is i end up glorifying my own kingdom i end up glorifying what i want to be glorified i end up being the one that gets raised up It's me on the throne. I'm the one that's controlling the pace. But when I actually stop and rest and let Jesus uh, search me, it's amazing how much more I get focused on his kingdom. Hmm, It's kind of crazy. Letting him set the pace, it's about his kingdom. My pace, my kingdom. What kind of pace are you setting? Who is setting that, that pace? When you go to the to the TSA, when you go through all the security TSA stuff. Uh, how would it go if you just ran through there? <laughs> Try it sometime. It'll be fun. Nah, it probably wouldn't go too well. Because when you run through there, you're saying, I don't want anybody to search me. I'm just going. When you go to the TSA, you have to stop. And I know it's annoying, right? You take off your shoes, take off your jacket. And go through the thing that scans you. That I don't know what that's doing to our bodies, but it's scanning us. And, but we're allowing ourselves to be searched. And that's what we have to do. We have to stop. We have to allow Jesus to search us. Because really, does it make any sense to do this? Oh my God. Jesus, search me. Search me. Search me. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing this. I'm going here. I'm going there. I'm going everywhere. Search me. Search me. Search me. Does that, does that make sense? No, it, it doesn't. But that's the picture of what we do. I want to get close to Jesus. I want to get close to him, and I want to know him more. But I want him to do it on my time, when I can fit it in. No, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't work that way. We need to stop. We need to rest. Because disciples stop and go. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would help my heart to rest in you. Thinking about just taking a few 
minutes yesterday to just rest and just feeling the guilt of doing that. I know that doesn't come from you. And I know there's many people here this morning that are feeling the pressures of life, feeling all the things they have to do, and it doesn't even seem like it's possible to rest. But you came on earth, and you were busier than anyone's ever been. You have more demands on your life than anyone's ever had, yet you found time to go away, to rest, to stop, to be filled up by your Father. So I pray, God, that you would fill us up. You would help us to rest in you, that you give us uh, the strength to be able to do that. You've already given us permission to do it, to rest in you. Help us to do that. Help us to be searched by you. Help us to listen to that still, small voice. With all the other noise that's all around us, God, I pray that you'd help us to stop so that we could hear you. In Jesus' name, amen.